the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Now, folks, what David says about himself, I will not have a need because my shepherd supplies all of my needs, is also true of you if you're a genuine believer in Jesus Christ. But the critical issue that we need to understand is this. In what sense is this true? In what sense is David talking about our needs? Well, certainly David doesn't mean that every desire that he had for something was always fulfilled by God. Because frankly, many of our desires are sinful and wrong. And what we want is not always good for us. And God's not going to give us those things. So he can't mean every single thing that he, that he wants, God gives him. Nor is David giving us a license to expect that God will give us any material possession that we, that we want. We know that's not true because of what the rest of Scripture says. And many believers are quite poor. During my years living in Honduras, one of the things that most impressed me about my Christian friends there was their typical reply to the question, How are you? The most common response I got, even from the poorest of them, was, I'm grateful. Wow. How many of us here in these incredibly wealthy United States would answer that way? God said he would meet all our needs. And as we read in Psalm 23, David claimed that his good shepherd would see to it that he would not lack. But as a storekeeper in Maine once said to a salesman whose wares he refused to buy, he said, You must remember, young fellow, that in this part of the country, every want ain't a need. In spite of the claims of many name-and-claimant preachers, lots of Christians are poor. Many of them live in poverty so deep that you and I could not even imagine surviving with so little. But they do survive, and many do so with an attitude of gratitude. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse, a radio classroom for the study of God's Word. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher, and we are in the early days of a series of lessons about the 23rd Psalm. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. I'll tell you more about that at the conclusion of today's lesson. Before we begin, though, I'd like to ask a question. Have you ever eaten mutton, lamb chops, or maybe a juicy roasted leg of lamb? My wife's grandmother raised sheep many years ago, and that was sort of a Christmas tradition when we went to her house. I'm pretty sure she never thought of her sheep as pets. They were a source of nutrition. But that's not how God thinks of us at all. And David, having been a shepherd, knew better than most how devoted a shepherd was in his days to the sheep under his care. When we understand shepherding in the context of David's time, we can get a pretty good idea just how tenderly God loves us. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's lesson. Now the fourth and final thing that I want us to keep in mind as we go through Psalm 23 is to remember that Our shepherd is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not me imposing on the text. Jesus himself said in John chapter 10 that he was 
the good shepherd. He dared to say that. Why? Because he is God. He is the God-man. And so he said in John chapter 10, starting at verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He says he flees because he's a hired hand. He's not concerned about the sheep. Then he tells us, but he is. He says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. So as we go through this psalm, these verses, keep in mind that it's Jesus that this is talking about. Jesus is the one who cares and provides for us. Jesus is the one who meets our every need. He's the one that we are to respond to in love and worship. So with all this as our background, we're now ready to study Psalm 23 by looking at really the the first verse, because I want you to know it is this first verse that is the key to the entire psalm. It, It is the key that opens our understanding to the message and really the primary point Of Psalm 23. See, everything in this psalm, all the verses flow out of this one verse. Verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. As David begins Psalm 23 with these first words that he sings are very famous to us. Almost everybody knows these words. He tells us that the Lord is his shepherd, therefore he has no once. Now, in the Hebrew text, there are actually only four words that form this first verse. And here's how these words sound in a literal translation into English. The Lord is my shepherd, I will not have need. The Lord is my shepherd, I will not have need. That is a literal translation. Now, it is by design that the first word of Psalm 23 in the Hebrew text is Lord. Lord. Because the first thing that David wants to emphasize is that the reason he is so confident of having all of his needs met is because the Lord is his shepherd. See, while there are many names for God in the Old Testament, the one that David has chosen under the inspiration of the Spirit of God to use here is Yahweh, sometimes called Jehovah, but more literally Yahweh. And Yahweh means to be or I am. It's how God revealed himself to Moses. So Moses said, when I go back to Egypt, what do I call you? What's your name? I am that I am. I'm Yahweh. It carries the thought that God is the self-existing one. He needs nothing because he has everything. And because he has everything as our shepherd, and here's the point, he has an exhaustible supply of everything we need. So when he promises to be a shepherd to us and provide for us, we can be absolutely confident that he will because he is I am. Now let me stop here for a moment. I want to clarify something that I think is important, lest we misunderstand Psalm 23, or you go through the psalm having some doubts about God's goodness. See, someone, some person, might at some point object to David saying that God is a wonderful and caring shepherd who provides for us as his sheep, if they think 
that sheep in ancient Israel were only raised to be slaughtered and then eaten. Or as one person put it, if they think that shepherds looked after their sheep so that they could turn them into lamb chops and mutton stew. So let me address that. You see, if that's the case, there really isn't much comfort to be found in Psalm 23. If that is the case. In fact, the psalm would not be comforting at all, rather frightening. It would make us suspicious of the way God is treating us as if he's just being kind to us and fattening us up so he could destroy us. But thank God that is not the case, and I want to just explain. See, in ancient Israel, there were, in all fairness, there were certain sheep that were raised to be killed for ceremonial purposes, for sacrifices, but they were shepherded differently. They were shepherded only by priests. David wasn't a priest. David, like most shepherds in Israel, was just a common, ordinary shepherd who raised his sheep for their wool, not their meat. It's important to understand. Therefore, these sheep that David and others like him cared for, I want you to know they lived long lives. They were loved. They were cared for. They were considered like parts of the family, like we would treat a beloved pet. In fact, we have a reference to this very thing in Second Samuel. I'd like you to see the Second Samuel chapter 12. As the prophet Nathan, remember this, Nathan, the prophet comes to rebuke King David for taking away Uriah the Hittite's wife, his one little lamb that he had by the name of Bathsheba. So he tells this parable to David. Starts in verse 1 of 2 Samuel chapter 12. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. And he came to him and he said, there were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a great many flocks and and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little lamb, which he bought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and his children. It would eat of his bread and drink of his cup and lie in his bosom. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take from his own flock or his own herd to prepare for the wayfarer who had come to him. Rather, he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. I mean, it goes on to say, David's anger burned. This man needs to be dealt with, and that's where Nathan said these now very famous words, you are the man. But the point that I want you to see is that this one little lamb that this poor man owned He says it grew up with his children. It was considered like a member of the family. In fact, he calls it in this parable a daughter. Now, folks, that's the kind of shepherd that David was. One who treated his sheep with love and tenderness, taking care of their every need as if they were family. That's the way he is portraying the Lord to us in Psalm 23 as a loving and kind shepherd who cares for his flock because we are family to him. That's exactly what the New Testament teaches about Christ's relationship to every believer. Having laid down his life for us as our good shepherd, he has purchased us with his blood. Therefore, we belong to him. We're not just his slaves. We are his family. We are brethren, having been adopted into his family, and that's why he is so committed to taking care of us, and that's why David says, I shall not want. 
Now, folks, what David says about himself, I will not have a need because my shepherd supplies all of my needs, is also true of you if you're a genuine believer in Jesus Christ. But the critical issue that we need to understand is this. In what sense is this true? In what sense is David talking about our needs? Well, certainly David doesn't mean that every desire that he had for something was always fulfilled by God because, frankly, Many of our desires are sinful and wrong, and what we want is not always good for us, and God's not going to give us those things. So he can't mean every single thing that he, that he wants, God gives him, nor is David giving us a license to expect that God will give us any material possession that we, that we want. We know that's not true because of what the rest of Scripture says, and many believers are quite poor, quite poor. Some are even destitute and in poverty. The, the Macedonians that Paul writes about in 2 Corinthians were very, very poor, very godly. So it, it can't be that David is saying God gives every believer all that they want materially. Now, you see, what David is telling us is that since God is our shepherd, the great I am, who is totally self-sufficient and therefore has everything in abundance, he is confident that he will lack nothing he needs, note this, to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. In other words, as our shepherd, the Lord provides everything we need that would be good for us, everything that would be beneficial for our spiritual growth and welfare. That is to say, God has our best interests at heart. And therefore, he supplies all that he knows will be in our best interests. And so we ask this, what are those things that would be in our best interests? What are they? What is it that God supplies for us so that we can grow in our relationship with him? What is it? that those who are cared for by their divine shepherd, what are those things that they shall not lack because he always supplies them? Well, that's what David proceeds to tell us because for the remainder of this psalm, he lays out a number of spiritual needs that we have that our shepherd meets that enhance our relationship with him. That's why I say verse 1 is the key to the whole Psalm, because the Lord being our shepherd gives us what we need. The rest of the psalm tells us those things that he provides for us, what we really need, and what he has provided for us. And the first one being, and this is our study this morning, our shepherd gives us rest. He gives us rest. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Now, continuing this analogy of a shepherd to his sheep, David tells us that as our shepherd, the Lord meets our need for rest in that he makes us lie down in green pastures. And I think he's just reiterating and emphasizing the same thing, that he leads us to quiet or still waters. Most of us are very familiar with these words. And they do, they, they conjure up for us when we think about it, a very peaceful scene of lush green meadows and quiet, non-rushing streams of water. But what is exactly, what is David talking about? Sometimes we read this and it's just very sentimental and very sweet, but what is he actually saying? What does this mean? 
Well, one of the interesting oddities about sheep is that they do not easily lie down to rest. Tony, they are pathetic animals. Sheep are fearful creatures, skittish animals. And if they're scared, they simply will not lie down. Philip Keller was a a pastor who also spent many years as a shepherd. A number of years ago, he wrote a book about Psalm 23 entitled, The Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And concerning the fact that sheep don't easily lie down and find rest, here's what Philip Keller wrote. He said, it is almost impossible for them, speaking of the sheep, to be made to lie down unless four requirements are met. Owing to their timidity, they refuse to lie down unless they are free of all fear. Because of the social behavior within a flock, sheep will not lie down unless they are free from friction with others of their kind. If tormented by flies or parasites, sheep will not lie down. Only when free of these pests can they relax. Lastly, he said, sheep will not lie down as long as they feel in need of finding food. They must be free from hunger. Now, in light of the fact that David was certainly well aware that the only way that sheep will lie down and rest is if their shepherd gives them peace of mind by freeing them from these distractions, he tells us, in light of all of that, that the Lord, as our shepherd, makes us to lie down and rest. How? By giving us peace in our hearts. The rest he's talking about here is the rest in our soul. He's not talking about physical sleep. He's not talking about taking a nap. He's talking about peace, restfulness in our hearts, just using this metaphor of, of sheep lying down. See, the point that David is making is that we don't have to be fearful, anxious, because God, as our loving shepherd, has provided peace for us so that we can have rest in our souls. So how does he do this? How does this work? How do we find rest in our hearts when, frankly, there are so many things in our lives that threaten to rob us of peace and rest? Health issues, money challenges, conflicts with people, struggles at work, marriage problems, family problems, and on and on and on it goes. Well, true peace has a starting point. The Bible says it starts when we come to Christ for salvation. That's where peace with God takes place. You see, prior to salvation, we were at war with God, fighting him. And it's because of our sins. We were rebels. We disobeyed him. We fought against him and all of his holy standards. We may not have been aware of that, but that's what we were doing. But when we come to Christ for salvation, you know what happens? Not only are we saved, not only are we forgiven, not only is Christ's righteousness put on our account, but the war is over. It's not just a temporary ceasefire. It's over. The peace treaty has been signed. We are at peace with God. That is precisely what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. Justified by faith, we have peace with God. Jesus said really the same thing. Matthew 11, verse 28, when he said, Come unto me, all who are weary and and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is not the rest of, as I said, taking a nap or getting a good night's sleep. This is not that at all. This was said to Jewish people who were so burdened and and heavy laden by all the rules and, and legalism and rituals that were imposed on them by the Pharisees. They had no rest for their souls because they were constantly trying to earn their way to heaven. 
constantly trying to keep all of these external rules and and they were consumed with trying to be good enough to gain God's favor and here comes Jesus who invites them to come to him for rest that's the rest of salvation because he has provided salvation by his death on the cross so peace comes folks to our weary souls when we rest in the finished work of Christ for salvation as I said earlier in my prayer you can't get to Psalm 23 unless you first go through Psalm 22, which talks about the sufferings of Christ, the, the meaning of Christ's death on behalf of his people. But when you come to Christ for salvation, the war is over. You are at peace with God. However, and there is a however, there are many believers in Christ who still find themselves quite anxious worried a lot, very fearful, even though they do trust Christ to be their Savior. And you may be one of them. All of us at times struggle with this, some more than others. See, though they have peace with God, they don't have the peace of God. There is a difference. You may be at peace with God, that's salvation, but you don't have the peace of God permeating your hearts. So everything seems to be upsetting We find ourselves fretting a great deal, worrying about so many things. So the question is, how does a believer in Jesus Christ get this peace in his heart, this rest in his soul that David says the Lord provides for his sheep? Listen very closely. The rest that every single believer wants only comes when we understand and we believe the glorious truth That God is totally sovereign, totally good, and totally wise. See, only when we see that God is sovereign, by that I mean he's in control of everything, all of our circumstances. There are no accidents in life. There are no random things that just happen by chance. When we believe that God is sovereignly in control over all of our circumstances, and that he only allows things to happen in our lives that are for our good, that's when we'll have rest That's when we'll have peace in our hearts. That's why, and you must turn here to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is a critical verse to understand. Romans 8 and then verse 28 and then verse 29. This is, folks, this is the key. Romans 8 verse 28 says this, And we know, we know this for a fact, that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. Those who love God means believers, any believer. Every believer loves God. This is not a special class of believer. We know that God causes all things to work together for good, for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Those who know him, those who love him are called by him for a certain purpose. What is that ultimate purpose? Well, let's read on. Verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, it means those who he ordained in the past, He also predestined, this is our purpose. If you're a believer, this is God's ultimate purpose for you. He also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. I read recently about a Filipino man driving a wagon to market. He overtook an elderly man straining under a heavy load, apparently walking to the same market. The man in the wagon offered the old man a ride, and the old man accepted the offer gratefully and clambered into the back of the wagon. Sometime later, the wagon driver turned to see how his passenger was doing, 
only to be surprised at the sight of the old man still straining under his burden. You see, he had accepted the ride, but had not taken the burden off his shoulders. Perhaps as you're listening today, you have some burden, some concern that is troubling you. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, He wants to take that burden and to give you rest. Would you let Him do that? I know it's often hard to let go, but I also know that you'll be glad if you do. I'm Jerry Peterson, and it's my great privilege and delight to be your announcer here on Verse by Verse. Our Bible teacher, Steve Kreloff, is pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Lakeside has an attractive, informative website. It's called www.lakesidechapel.com. Check it out if you want to listen to, download, or even watch Pastor Steve's recent sermons. You'll also find links to this ministry, Verse by Verse Radio, and to Lakeside's Christian School. On top of that, if you're in the area and looking for a place to worship, you'll find contact information and even a map to the church. The web address again is www.lakesidechapel.com. Speaking of websites, by the way, you can find today's message and many, many previous messages at www.versebyverseradio.org. I hope you can join us for the next Verse by Verse and the conclusion of Pastor Steve Kreloff's opening message in this series of lessons on the 23rd Psalm. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.